You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. Welcome. Good to see you this morning. Good to be with you. If you're a guest today, my name is Bill, and I would love to meet you following our time together. I'll be right down front. Please come introduce yourself, and I'd love to hear your story and answer any questions you may have. Today we're beginning another sermon series that's within the overarching theme that we've had for the year called Step Forward. You see the sign up here, life's all about, this year's all about moving forward in our lives. You don't want to get stagnant, you want to get, don't get stuck, you don't want to move backwards. So we're thinking about how do we move forward spiritually, relationally, emotionally, in every area of our life. And uh, our theme verse is, since we live by the Spirit, if I, in Galatians says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I think if we're keeping in step with the Spirit, he's going to keep us moving forward, right? You agree with that? So this month, as we head toward Easter, by the way, Easter's only one month away. Woo! So, so I, don't you love the longer days and sunshine? Oh my, this has been a, a tough winter. I'm glad it's here. As we look toward Easter in this season of Lent, we're, we're looking inward, and that's what the Invisible 99 is all about. It's about the invisible part of us. It's about the 99% that people don't see. And it has to do with our thoughts, our emotions, our integrity. There's a proverb that says, a proverb says, people with integrity have firm footing. Talk about keeping in step. Are we going to keep step with firm footing? But those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. And so the Invisible 99 is about stepping forward with integrity. And when I think of integrity, that's what I think about, that unseen part of me. The Bible says that, that people look on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God sees our hearts. He sees what's inside of us. And the unseen 99 are those thoughts and those emotions that are hidden in our hearts, sometimes hidden from us, most of the time hidden from other people. Um, I, another proverb says, above all else... Guard your hearts, for it's the wellspring of life. So your heart, that place of emotion, that place of motivation, that place of your inner feelings and thoughts and the things that you wrestle with on the inside, if that spiritual heart is healthy, then you will be a person of integrity and you will have firm footing. But if that spiritual heart is damaged, if there are things that are clogging that heart, blocking the flow of the Spirit then you'll slip and fall. And I don't want you to slip and fall. I don't want to slip and fall. So can we allow the Holy Spirit to do some looking inside of us? I, I promise you that God doesn't want to judge you. He wants to free you. He wants to help you, help you move forward in, this area, in these areas of your life. So, so we're looking at the emotions that can get lodged in our hearts the result of which, it damages your soul, damages you spiritually, and oftentimes it damages people that are close to you. We're using as a resource for these messages Andy Stanley's material in his book called Enemies of the Heart. And so four different emotions we're looking at are anger, jealousy, greed, and guilt. And these enemies of the heart are like plaque that gets built up. You don't know it's there in your physical heart you don't, you don't know 
that your arteries are getting clogged until sometimes it's too late and you have some pretty severe symptoms, a heart attack and maybe even, even a massive heart attack that could kill you. And I think when these emotions get lodged in our hearts, our spiritual hearts, they clog the flow of the spirit and eventually it can destroy us emotionally and spiritually and destroy our relationships. So today we're going to begin with perhaps the most obvious of these emotions and maybe one of them and the most destructive of them, and that's anger. Can we talk about anger issues today? Do you have anger issues? Yes, you do. I'll tell you, you do. I'm telling you, don't, don't pretend because we all do. We all do. And, and, and I, I, James puts it this way, what causes quarreling and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires within you? You want what you don't have, and so you scheme and kill to get it. I'm not hoping anybody here is scheming to kill anybody, but you know, we subtly kill people. We subtly throw those darts. We subtly undermine and attack others because we want something that we didn't get. And that's really the meaning of anger. Anger is simply a result of not getting something you want. Right? Think about it. Anger is simply a result of not getting something you want. We believe we deserve something, we should have something, and it was taken from us. And so anger is this feeling like you owe me, you took something from me, you hurt me, now I gotta get payback. For example, you do a good job at work, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you're an exemplary employee you, on your job performance reviews, you have tens in every category, and a promotion opens up. A job above you that would include a promotion opens up. You know you're the best qualified for that position. You know you've had the highest ratings. You know that this opportunity is yours, and it's going to include a nice raise and, and maybe more responsibility, but something that you've been striving for and you've earned it. But the boss has a friend, and this friend's an idiot. <laughs> because he's a friend, the boss hires the friend. That boss stole that job from you. You deserved it, it was taken from you. Something that you thought you had was taken from you, and you're angry. So that's a perfect example. So I want you to think about a time when you've been angry. Think about a time you're angry. Maybe you're angry at somebody right now. Maybe, maybe, maybe on the way here this morning. I know how the enemy works. I expected you to be ready on time. You took my expectation away. Whatever it might be, I don't know. But think of a time. Hopefully it, uh, it's not uh, too serious, but maybe it is. You wanted something and you didn't get it. You didn't get what you deserved. Interpreted somebody owed you something. Now this can go really deep. This can go really deep. You're young, you're growing up, you're looking at the future in front of you, you think, ah, I'm gonna have a perfect family. I'm gonna have a mom and dad that love me. I'm gonna have a mom and dad that are gonna be there for me, to provide for me, not just financially a home and food, but nurture and care. And they're going to be there, both of them, for me. And one of those parents falls in love with somebody else and they walk out of the house and they leave you there parentless, fatherless or motherless. 
that perfect life that you expected, that you deserved, that you think that should be yours was taken away from you. Your anger, you're angry. There's bitterness there. And more than that, maybe they blame it on the spouse that's there with you. And so not only are you angry at the one that walked out, you're angry at the one that's there because it's her fault or it's his fault that they didn't love that person good enough. And so you, 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 you have this seething anger because something that you wanted, something very, very important and valuable to you was taken away from you. And you're dealing with that. Maybe somebody spreads a rumor about you. Maybe there's an ounce of truth to it and a pound of falsehood in it. And maybe it's true, but it was a secret and they splurged on you. And now your reputation has been stolen from you. And you're angry because your reputation was so important to you. And now it was taken from you. And you're angry because they took it. They stole it. Anger is all about losing something or not getting something that you deserve and thought you had. How many of us know people that would say things like, you stole my reputation. You took my marriage. You took the best years of my life from me. You owe me this. You owe me some respect. And so the root of anger is the perception that something has been taken, Andy Stanley says, something that owed, that's owed you. And now you have this debt-to-debtor relationship that's established between you and this other person. And so anger demands a payback. I'm going to get even with you. You owe me something. You hurt me. I'm going to pay you back for that. And so to settle a debt... Payback is necessary. How else are you going to get over this anger? You have a right to have payback because they owe you. It's just justice deserved. And here's the problem with that. In many cases, that payback can never be made. How can you give back lost years? How can you give back a lost parent, a lost relationship? How can you give back? A reputation once it's been stolen. How can you pay? So there are many people that are living their lives waiting for debts to be paid that can never be repaid. And so they have these anger issues that are just in there. They're underneath them. It's plaque that's building up inside there. So they have this, 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 this maybe uh, this guilt, this, 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 not guilt, but this anger that, that just has to be taken out on someone. So we take it out on the people that are close to us. I'm angry and I got to take it out on somebody. I'll take it out on my spouse. I'll take it out on my kids. I'll take it out on my employees. I'll take it out on my boss. I'll take it out on whomever. Because you have this, this anger that has to get payback somehow. And if that person can't pay you back, you're going to make everybody else pay for it. It's disease. It's a virus. An angry person is a hurt person. You, you, can't, you can't show me an angry person and I will show you a person who is hurt. It, it just, anger is a secondary emotion to either hurt, fear, or frustration. If you're angry, it's one of those three things, I guarantee it. Anger isn't the problem, it's the hurt that's the problem, it's the fear, it's the frustration that, that, that you're feeling. Anger is always a secondary emotion. And so, what do we do with that? We have a right to be angry. 
We have, a, we have a right to get justice. But here's the question Andy Stanley asks for every hurt person. How long are you going to allow people that you don't even like continue to control your life? People who aren't even in your life any longer. People who may not even be alive any longer. How long will you let those people who hurt you control your life? And this is why we must deal with anger issues. When will you quit using your story as an excuse for hurting other people and even hurting yourself? Because a lot of people who, who self-destruct are taking the anger that they hurt, to, hurt towards somebody else and they use that as justification for doing whatever it takes to make themselves feel better and doing it in destructive ways. So what's an angry person to do? How do we attack that virus that's slowly killing us, that disease that's so contagious that comes at us? When Andy Stanley speaks about forgiveness, he says there's always three types of people in the room. Number one, those who feel like they should forgive, but they just can't muster the courage to do it. Those who feel like if they forgive that person, they're letting them off the hook, and it's just not fair. And those who've tried, they've gone through the motions, but the old feelings and the memories come back up and makes them doubt if they've really forgiven at all. And so even though Christ is our ultimate example of sacrificial love and forgiveness, a lot of believers and followers of Christ still struggle with anger because of these problems. Let's take a look at what Scripture says. If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians with me. We're going to take a look at what Paul said, and then we're going to look at a parable that Jesus told, and then we're going to try to do our best to uh, face the anger that, uh, that might be inside of us. Ephesians chapter 4, if you look at chapter 4 and 5 of Ephesians, it's all practical how to live your faith out. In fact, if you were to read Paul's writings, Paul's letters, it always starts with the first half of the letter, a lot of theology, a lot of ideas about who God is and what God has done for us and our position in Christ and how that affects us. And then he goes on to, because of that, then therefore this is how you ought to live. These are the kinds of things that, this is how that should show up in your life. So let's begin Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. He says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And here's where he gets into anger. He says, In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. You've heard that said before. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give the devil a foothold. Because he knows, he knows that the enemy just loves to jump on your hurt feelings. Right? I mean, your hurt, your pain, your fear, your frustration is the very tool that the enemy wants to use to destroy you spiritually. And he'll jump all over that. He goes on and he says, anyone's been stealing, shouldn't steal any longer, must work, do something with your hands, useful, and don't have something to share with those in need. And don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs and it might benefit them. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you've been sealed. And here he gets very specific again. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, 
along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That little phrase, just as, is the key. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So these two passages here, these two different passages with the uh, scriptures I put up for you, or, or maybe two therapies that we can call to confront your anger. Number one, the first one is preventative medicine, right? Prevent it before it really takes root. In, in your anger, do not sin. Does he say you can't ever be angry? No, come on. Life is, if you don't get angry, you're not human. If you don't get hurt, you're not alive. The only way you can't get hurt is if you're dead. So if you're here and you're never hurt, somebody pinch you. Then you'll feel. Now you can get angry at them for pinching you. So you have something to be angry about. Prevent it before it takes root. Quit that. I'm just kidding. In your anger, don't sin. In other words, a good rule of thumb for families and couples, don't go to bed angry, right? What does that mean? What does it mean? It means settle it quickly. Take care of things when they're little so they don't grow because unresolved anger, unresolved conflict doesn't go away. It just festers and grows. It's like bacteria in a Petri dish that just multiplies. And, and so preventative medicine is like taking the antibiotic before you get the bacteria. You know, it fights it off. So as you feel that anger, deal with it right away. I love what Max Lucado said. Conflict is inevitable. Combat is optional. You're going to have conflict. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to have reason to be angry. It's not anger. It's what you do with the anger that's the issue. Constructive conflict is preferable to a full-blown war. So constructively deal with the issues. Here's in this situation, when you did that to me, it made me feel like this. Maybe next time it could be done that way. Let's talk about our feelings. Let's get it out there. Let's, let's have a constructive conversation about it. So that's one is preventative medicine. Obviously, that's the best. But once it begins to take root, what do you need to take more severe methods or measures? <clears throat> and, and, and I call that purge it before it metastasizes. Right? When you get cancer, what do you need? You got to attack it with some chemotherapy, some strong stuff, or, or do surgery and get rid of it. And that's what he says. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. So you might say, well, that's pretty easy to say. Well, just don't be angry. <laughs> sure. Okay. Well, Paul, Paul, who do you think you are, Paul, telling me, Paul, you don't know my situation. Paul, you don't know my life. Paul, you don't know what that person did to me. Well, let's talk about what Paul was going through before we can point the finger. He's writing this from prison. He's incarcerated, awaiting trial for treason against the emperor had already served years in jail in, in, in Israel before he was shipped off to Rome because he appealed to Caesar. 
because he claimed that he was following another king. There's another king. Jesus is his name, King Jesus. Oh, that's treason. Let's arrest him. Let's throw him into jail. Let's crush this movement of Christ followers that Paul is leading. Let's put him in, in jail here in Israel. And Paul spends months, maybe years there, and then he appeals to Caesar. They ship him off. He's shipwrecked on the way. He gets to Rome, and he's waiting there. And what does he do? He writes letters to the churches that he had helped to establish. Letters like Philippians, that is the most joy-filled letter you could ever read. Paul had reason to be angry. Paul had reason to be bitter. You have reason to be angry. You have reason to be bitter. Let's own that. Let's admit that. Let's, let's say that. So, so he says, wipe it out, attack it, get rid of it. He speaks not of one who's in an ivory tower. He's speaking from experience. Hurt, rejection, criticism, fearful situations. They, they make us feel victimized and victims feel powerless. And so we lash out in order to get power back. Victims victimize, hurting people hurt people. These feelings of victimization turn into an excuse for all of our angry behavior, our unhealthy actions, because we deserve to get paid back. And if that person can't pay me back, I'm going to take it and get paid back however I can. That's the poison. That's the disease of anger and bitterness. And over time, your justifications for your behavior, your rationalizations for your anger, they just consume you. And the people who pay the price are your family, the people around you. And you pay the price. So how do we purge? How do we get rid of it? That's the big question for the day. And the answer, he says, is forgive just as in Christ God forgave you. Wow. Before he says that, he says, be kind and compassionate to those who wronged you. Isn't that letting them off the hook? Well, maybe it's killing them with kindness, you know? You can't hurt me. I'll be kind to you. You think you're hurting me. The best way to get back at somebody who's intentionally trying to hurt you is let them know that they're not getting under your skin. Now, that's a weapon. I know. That's a way of paying back. I, it's my method with my brother once I kind of learned how to do that. But, uh, but the fact, it isn't letting them off the hook. It really isn't. Show them kindness. Love your enemies, Jesus said. Be good to those who persecute you, hurt you. That just is so counterintuitive. And then he says, forgive just as in Christ God forgave you. That's the significant phrase, that just as, as I said. It's the key to allowing God to rid our hearts of the bitterness and the resentment that have the potential to ruin every relationship that we have. Peter's following Jesus for a couple years, getting to realize Jesus loves the outcasts. He welcomes the people that are, that are not so lovable, <clears throat> pours love on people that other people would rather throw stones at. And so he, see, he realized Jesus is about forgiveness. So in this conversation he has with Jesus, okay, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? And Peter's being very generous here. Seven times? Huh, you and me, it's like, you know, hurt me once, shame on me. Hurt me twice, shame on you. Well, 
you know, Peter, it's like hurt me once, twice, three, four, five, six, seven times, same on me. But the eighth time, boom, I'm going to drop the hammer. I thought Peter was being pretty generous. Jesus said, well, Peter, no, not seven times. How about 77 times? Or some interpret that as seven times 70 times. And then Jesus went on and he told a story. And this is the story in Matthew chapter 18, a story about forgiveness. In order to make things clear, Jesus always tells a fable or tells a parable, tells a story that makes a point to make it clear what he means about how to forgive. And that's what this parable is all about. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, let me tell you a story. You see, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who went to settle accounts with his servants and As he begun the settlement, a man who owned him 10,000 bags of gold. Now, what servant would owe him 10,000 bags of gold unless he stole that money from him somehow or misused that money and lost it? So he owed him 10,000 bags of gold. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he, his wife, and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before the king and he said, oh, please be patient with me and I will pay back everything. And the master saw this person and he knew he would never be able to pay him back and he said, okay, I'll cancel the debt. You can go. Here's the point. Forgiveness is the decision to cancel a debt. It's a choice that we must make to cancel the debt that we believe we are owed. Whenever somebody hurts you, a debt is incurred. And that's why we say things like, I'm going to get even with you. That's why hurting people have to either hurt back or have restitution paid back to them. And yet many times there can be no restitution. The problem is you can't get paid back for years lost, for a reputation lost, for a marriage lost, for a life lost without a parent. You just can't get paid back for that. So so what what are we to do? Well, Jesus went on, and the story didn't end with that. Jesus went on and told the story so that Peter would understand what forgiveness is and what it is. And he said, so the servant went out from there and there was another servant who owed him about a hundred silver coins. Now, now compare the difference there. He owed a thousand bags of gold and this guy owed him a hundred silver coins. And so this servant grabbed the one that owed him money and began to choke him and said, you got to pay me back everything you owed me. He had anger issues, right? And so the servant fell on his knees and he begged the first servant. He said, please be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused to forgive him. And he said, I want you to be gone in prison until you can, your wife and others can pay the debt for me. And so what happened when the other servant saw how this forgiven servant was treated, the one that owed him some money, they went back to the master and said, hey, look what you did to this guy. You forgave him. And then he went out and didn't forgive Shouldn't he have mercy on his fellow servant just as 
You had forgiveness on him, and that's what the servant said. That's what the king said to that. He said, he went back to him, and he said, you wicked servant, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? That phrase again, just as. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay it back all he owed. And this is the kicker. Jesus said, this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I wish he hadn't said that. <laughs> Does that mean we're not gonna, we're gonna spend eternity in hell if we don't forgive somebody? I, I, maybe it's an exaggeration, but what the point is, you're gonna pay some way for your unforgiveness. If not in eternity, you'll pay now because it'll destroy you. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy you one way or another. Unresolved anger is poison to your soul. I love what Anne Lamont wrote. She said, not forgiving is like drinking a rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. It only hurts you. When we cherish resentment and bitterness because we want to hurt that rat that caused us pain, what we find out eventually is that resentment and bitterness really shows us that we're the rat because we won't forgive as we have been forgiven. But there's a price to forgiveness. It'll cost you. To cancel that debt that you are owed, yeah, that no longer becomes an asset to you that you think you're going to get paid back. You've got to release that. Maybe a year or so later, Peter understood the, the depth of the price that Jesus was willing to pay for forgiveness. This Jesus that told him to forgive 70 times, seven times. He saw him when he was arrested and betrayed by their friend Judas, betrayed and arrested by the religious leaders and falsely accused and stripped and spat upon, and scourged made to carry a cross of humiliation through a crowd up to Calvary. And there he was nailed to the cross. And there Peter, standing off from a distance, observing all of this, heard the words of Jesus when he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And he said, you mean that's how much God can forgive people? That's how much God can forgive me? You mean all the wrong that I've done? All the lies I've told, all the cheating I've done, all the lust that I've acted upon, all the pain that I've caused other people. You mean that's a price that God was willing to pay to forgive me of all of that? Peter understood the depth of God's forgiveness when he saw him hanging on the cross. As a follower of Christ, I have a perspective on forgiveness that maybe somebody that doesn't know Christ has. There's a lot of bitterness and anger in our culture today. It's a virus that is spreading. One side says that this side is victimizing you because they do this, and this side says they're victimizing you, and so they capitalize, they feed your sense of victimization because these people took this from you or that 
group of people took that from you and now you need to be angry and act out of anger and it's just polarizing our country more than ever and we pull into our tribes and pick up our battles and wage war against one another. That's not what Christ has taught us to do, folks. That's not the way of Jesus, folks. We should not get sucked up into that, folks. It's cancer. It spreads. It's destructive. It destroys. It destroys marriages. It destroys families. It destroys siblings. It destroys companies. It destroys cultures and countries. As a believer, I have a different perspective because I've understood forgiveness from the one who knows the 99% of me and loves me most. Wow. Andy Stanley said that in the shadow of my heart, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, Forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. We are all beggars at the doorpost of God's mercy. And when we receive that forgiveness, should we not offer that forgiveness, that mercy? Those of you that are serving communion, could you step up and be prepared and wait till I tell you to go ahead and begin to distribute the elements. <clears throat> but but I know I know right now what you're thinking. I, I really I, I know, I understand. You don't forgive because the other person deserves it. You forgive simply because you've been forgiven. Let's talk about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness isn't forgetting what happened. You can't forget that. Forgiveness isn't dependent upon the other person coming to you. If you wait for them to say they're sorry, you might be waiting a lifetime. Forgiveness doesn't mean you even have to reconcile with that person. Does that mean I have to go to that person and say I forgive you if they haven't asked? No, <laughs> you want to bring up the anger and problem again. I just want you to know back in 1965, when you said this to me, you really hurt me and now I forgive you. What? <laughs> okay, you're not that old. I am. I can say that. <laughs> and it would be my brother that I would say it to, who I love dearly. Forgiveness can come in time, not always right away. And the other thing is, forgiveness isn't a feeling. If you wait till you feel like forgiving, nah, you're going to be waiting a long time. It's a decision, it's a choice, it's an act of your will. But here's the thing. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily release that person of the harm they did you, but it releases you of the anger and bitterness that grips your heart. 
Lewis Smead said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. It's releasing yourself. You say, I'm going to release you of the debt that you owed me. I'm going to release myself of the anger and bitterness that's controlling me. And right now, your spiritual health is more important than getting even with that person. So here's where we're going to be very practical, okay? And this is where Andy Stanley gets really down to earth. And he talks about the process of forgiveness. And it's not just steps. You do this A, B, C, and D, and it's done. But there's a process. Sometimes you've got to work the process. But here's the process that he says. Number one, identify clearly who you're angry with. Why? I thought I, that should be easy. No, sometimes, sometimes I take my anger out on my spouse or my kids, but I'm really angry at somebody at work that really screwed me. And I'm angry, and so I'm going to make somebody else pay for it. Those people aren't people you're angry. Identify clearly who you're angry with. Be specific. Name that offender. And ask yourself, who would you like to pay back for the hurt that they caused you? Who, who is it in your life that you would love to pay back? That's the person that you need to identify. And then you need to, number two, be honest about what they owe you. What was it that they took from you? What do they owe you? They owe you an apology? Do they owe you money? Do they owe you time? Do they owe you years? Do they owe you your reputation? Do they owe you a marriage? What is it? Be honest about that. And be specific, because general forgiveness doesn't heal specific hurt. You've got to name the specific hurt. You can't cancel a debt that you haven't clearly identified. And that becomes the third thing, is cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. Wow. Decide that the offender no longer owes you anything anymore. No longer do they owe you anything anymore. I'm going to ask the band to come up at this time. And we're going to get ready to receive the elements. So identify who you're angry with. Be honest about what it is exactly that they owe you. And then cancel the debt. It's gone. And after that, what you need to do is dismiss the case. Dismiss the case. Case closed. It's over. It's done with. Don't keep bringing it up again. It's a daily decision to not reopen the case. But I have these memories. Yes, you will have memories. And that's the thing. It doesn't mean you can forget what they did to you. Memories are not your enemies. They're just memories, okay? Say that to yourself. Memories are not my enemies. They're just memories. It's what you do with those memories that matters. I remember the hurt, but that case was dismissed. I remember the pain that case is done with. I'm no longer going to make them pay me back. I'm no longer going to try to get even. And I know, I know, it's not easy. What Christ did to forgive you of your sins was not easy either. And just as 
in Christ, God forgave you. We need to do the hard thing of releasing people of their debt that they owe us. And so I'm going to put a prayer up that Andy Stanley puts in the book that I think is very therapeutic and very practical. And I'm going to invite us to pray this prayer before we receive the elements this morning. And I want us to take a few minutes to think about this. Here's here's what it says. Father, so-and-so has taken such-and-such from me. That person took my marriage from me. A person took my childhood from me. That person, so-and-so, took my innocence from me. I was just a child, and they molested me. They stole my innocence. God, that person did this, took this from me. And I have held on to this debt long enough. And so I choose to cancel this debt so-and-so doesn't owe me any longer. Just as you forgave me, I now choose to forgive so-and-so. Wow. That may be the hardest prayer you'll ever pray, but it's perhaps the most powerful prayer you can pray other than asking Christ into your heart. So who is it that hurt you? Whose name do you need to insert in there? I want to pray for you right now, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer, finish that prayer. God, I pray right now that your spirit can help us to have the courage to do very, very realistically and importantly and Christ-likely to do what you've done for us. I pray for the Spirit to give us the courage to pray that prayer and to mean it and to cancel the debt and to be set free. God, I pray for chains of bitterness and anger and hurt and fear and frustration to be broken today. Break it, break it, I pray. The anger that we have, that we carry around, that just gets lodged at us, help us to forgive. And go ahead right now, and just in your own words, I want you to take this moment, and if the Spirit's speaking to you, don't let the moment pass, and go ahead and pray that prayer, insert the names and the things in there. Go ahead right now and do that. Let your forgiveness flow freely this morning. Let it flow freely in us, to us, as we prepare to receive the elements that speak of our means of forgiveness. Help us to feel a sense of abundance. You paid a debt. We, you paid a debt that we owed, that we could not pay. You paid our debt, God. Help us to release those of the debts 
that are owed to us. We cancel the debt in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. By his strength, by his power. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.